y'all welcome to the show this is the adf underground brought to you by all day football i am your host again chris they call me chouse what's up what's happening week 12 in the nfl can you believe it is only two more weeks left for the fantasy football regular season and the postseason will be approaching faster than we can shake our head at And coming into week 12, I really, really liked what was coming on the schedule slate. There were a lot of matchups that I really thought was going to bring with it a lot of competitive contests. But it really didn't turn out that way. There were a lot of lopsided scores in the games that we thought would have been tight. But... Nevertheless, I mean, week 12 was still pretty good, so let's kick it right back. Uh, before we start, obviously, the bye weeks. This is the last uh, the last set of bye weeks for the season. We had the Cardinals, Chiefs, Chargers, and the Vikings not playing this week. So let's kick it right back to Thursday night football with the Indianapolis Colts traveling to Houston to face the Texans. So a very important showdown between these two clubs, a divisional matchup that was going to lead to potentially who could win this division. The Colts have been winning contests in, in very different ways. You know, some, some weeks it's been Jacoby Brissett, but most of the time it's been through the ground, on the ground with Marlon Mack. This week they did not have Marlon Mack. So the, the hype train was large coming into this game coming off the fantasy football waiver wire that Jonathan Williams former Buffalo Bill that he was going to be the lead primary running back for the Colts this week and he was I was quite shocked about it I really thought that uh, Naheem Hines would have taken a greater role but credit to coach uh, Frank Reich he he opened up the the playbook to this young man and he had a hell of a day he ran 26 carries 104 yards and found the end zone so as you watch this contest I mean it was clear that the Colts had the plan to control the clock as much as possible because they were afraid of the explosive nature of the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson and it was clear because the final even though the the Texans did win this contest by a score of 20 to 17 you can see in the stat line, if you watch the game too, it was it was indicative of what they were trying to do. They did own the time of possession. I mean, Houston gained some of it back as the game was going on. But, I mean, Jacoby Brissett wasn't, wasn't playing very well at all. It was all focused on the run, on the ground game, controlling the clock, moving the ball, converting on third down by running. And, I mean, that's what they did. But the difference in this contest was Deshaun Watson. While his game overall wasn't spectacular, I mean, it is Thursday night, short week, but he was the difference in this game. He made the plays when they needed to happen. He found DeAndre Hopkins twice in the end zone, and he found Will Fuller a number of times for some big plays. I mean, I think he hit... Fuller for the long 51-yarder. I mean, this was the difference in the contest. It was, I believe, four or five big plays, which basically changed the game. And, I mean, as soon as Houston was able to obtain the lead, I mean, you could see that there was no coming back for the Colts. It was just too difficult for them to to throw the ball in this game. Credit to the Texans. They have been cooked on the back end on their defense for a majority of this season, and they tightened up. I mean, they looked they looked fairly solid on the secondary on Thursday. So I mean, when it comes down to it, now the the Texans take a take a one game lead on the Colts in the division, huge win, massive win for them, and and I mean that was pretty much the game. It wasn't overly exciting. I thought it was going to be a better contest overall. T. Y. Hilton was shut down. All the receivers basically on the Colts were shut down. So like I said, you got to credit the Houston Texans secondary for that. But I mean, outstanding play when it was needed from Deshaun Watson. And I mean, 
that was more than enough for them to get the victory. So let's move right along. They get the win. The Houston Texans get the win. Let's move to Sunday. So Sunday we'll open the contests up on the board with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking travel to Atlanta. So the spread for this contest, I believe, had the Falcons closed at minus four or four and a half points. Based on how the Falcons have been playing over their last two weeks, I was very much leaning and supportive of the fact that the Falcons defense could actually make Jameis Winston turn the ball over more while shutting him down. This contest really brings to the mind of what the NFL really is all the time. Just because a team who is a bottom feeder has had two good contests doesn't mean that they've turned a corner. I mean, their their record is that way because of their play. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers owned the Atlanta Falcons today. Let's not kid ourselves. I mean, here we go again. Deshaun Watson, he threw two more interceptions today. But he still managed to gash the Atlanta Falcons secondary. There was no stopping Chris Godwin today. He was the guy. He was the machine. He was the train that was making everything move. His game was huge. Seven catches, 184 yards, and two touchdowns. And of course, like we said, you know, Jameis Winston, he threw those two picks, but he was 313 for three touchdowns. He had a solid day. The Falcons, this I did not really expect, but I mean, maybe I was a little bit short-sighted to, to believe that they were going to be able to move the ball on this very stout front seven of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially when they don't have Devontae Freeman. Without a run game, you can see in this contest how pedestrian this offense in Atlanta can be. Matt Ryan was struggling for most of the day. He he really couldn't get any open receivers. It was it was very much a, a difficult test on their offense, even though they're not going anywhere. It was not a great showing by any stretch of the imagination. Fantasy football-wise, I mean, Calvin Ridley scored a touchdown late to, to give you what you needed. We did recommend Russell Gage as a player. He had a good day. He had eight receptions for 76 yards. And Julio, again, he was he was pedestrian as well. I mean, it's five catches for 68 yards. Nothing really there to see there. But, again, so for two teams who are not looking to be playoff-bound in the NFL – This game was basically all about fantasy football statistics. And if you played Watson, you played Godwin, I mean, you were laughing, you were smiling. So all in all, I I expected this to be, this contest to be somewhat of a shootout. And it kind of was. I mean, the Buccaneers win 35 to 22. But again, there's no playoff implications for the NFL postseason. But you will still have the ability to get those uh, valuable fantasy points moving forward from both these clubs over the next five weeks if you are in the postseason. So let's move right along to the next contest on the board. We have the Buffalo Bills hosting the Denver Broncos. This contest to me almost, it, it did feel like a trap for the Buffalo Bills. This It's almost like the Cleveland Browns versus the Buffalo Bills thinking that, you know, this this game could really define what the Bills really are. And, I mean, let's not get it twisted. The Denver Broncos aren't really anything spectacular. Their defense is still very solid. They don't give up a whole heck of a lot. But, I mean, this Brandon Allen, he's come in, and he's actually looked okay. You can't really hate on anything this guy has done. Today, the Buffalo Bills made him look like a rookie. The Bills' defense definitely isn't getting enough credit as they should be. The defensive line is doing what they need to do. They sacked Brandon Allen four times today. Tredavious White should be in the conversation as one of the best defensive backs in this league. He is locking receivers down week in, week out, And he is making it very easy for this defensive coaching staff in Buffalo to scheme and game plan for. He is playing lights out. So if we want to go to the Bills offense, I mean, I was curious to see 
what Josh Allen was going to be able to do because like we've been saying the entire season, it's all about progression with the Bills. If you believe that you are a playoff team, you're coming into this game at 7-3, and three, you can't drop another game as close as this wild card race is because you're not going to be catching the New England Patriots as close as you are. It won't happen. They won't drop two games to make it tied and you still play them once so I mean there is a possibility however this is a game you want to see how Josh Allen would be able to produce versus a higher end defense and he I think he really passed a lot of the test and, and checked a lot of the boxes off his game wasn't overly sound I mean he did throw one interception but he, he had two touchdown passes and he kept this game very efficient if you saw this game, the Bills used the run with Singletary and Gore to perfection. They controlled the con- the, uh, the clock in the contest. And then Josh Allen was able to find his receivers. I mean, the nail in the coffin was John Brown on a deep shot. A beautiful catch by John Brown. It was a 34-yard touchdown strike. And Cole Beasley was the other one over the middle. So, I mean, this is your formula for the Buffalo Bills if you want to continue to move forward. But how can you be so down on an 8-3 and three club? I've heard some analysts say, you know, even if they make it into the playoffs, they're going to be one and done. And, I mean, perhaps. But but you got to love what this defense is doing. As long as the offense can move the ball and keep the defense fresh, this Bills team could be scary if they can start moving more prolifically on offense. If this team on offense can start to score 25 to 30 points a game, this defense will lock you down. I mean, this is the way it's going to be. But I really like what I see from the Buffalo Bills. They're moving in the right direction. I mean, what what can you say about the Denver Broncos? They're 3-8. and eight. They're out of the playoff race. They're just playing for respect. And, I mean, this team will look a lot different in the in the next season in this offseason you're going to see a lot of key names moving on so buffalo bills bills mafia should be smiling you haven't been eight and three since i believe 1996 i think i heard so this is a big turnaround this is good things happening if even if you don't make it far in the playoffs this is a very very good stepping stone so things are moving still a lot of games to be played I would I would like to think that 10 wins will get you that wild card berth and nobody will be able to catch you. So let's just say two more wins and and you should be in and three wins you you'll definitely be in at 11 and 5. So tough games coming up on the Bills schedule but they should be good and interesting. Really like where the Bills are going. But let's move right along. We have next on the board the New York Giants taking travel to Chicago to face off against the Bears. I really didn't expect a whole heck of a lot out of this contest. I mean, the Giants are coming off the bye. I really thought they would have been more prepared. I mean, granted, this still is the Bears' defense. This this still are a, an elite unit that can shut down teams. But, I mean, I was looking at it from the perspective that Mitchell Trubisky got benched last week and the confidence level was going to be small. I thought Coach Nagy would have had a shorter leash on him, and it was looking quite grim early on. I mean, his game overall, again, I really struggle to understand why Coach Nagy believes that more work through the air for Trubisky is the solution to solve his inadequacy. He threw 41 times today. Why aren't you supporting a quarterback who is struggling with the run game and the play action pass it is not happening i i really struggle and i really dislike everything about what this chicago bears offense really is yes did the bears win today yes they did the score was 19 to 14 i mean the giants scored late to make it look closer than it was but, I mean, this offense still is very, uh, it, it is not well put together. That's that's the best way I can put it. And it's not because you don't have the talent. It's because of the play calling and the coaching. He uh, Coach Nagy realizes what Trubisky is, and he's not helping him. He's trying to make him what he wants him to be. Failure, in my eyes, will be paramount if you continue down this path. However, the Giants, they didn't do themselves any favors. 
Once again, Daniel Jones turns the ball over, a crucial fumble in, a, in the wrong time, and this is what got the Bears to gain that momentum and then win this contest. So for fantasy football, because both teams aren't, the Bears are still in the mix, but let's let's cover some fantasy football statistics. I mean, David Montgomery, he was an absolute bust again. I really would have thought that this upcoming schedule was going to be more favorable for him. And I mean, the schedule does get even better as we go through, but the way that the usage is happening, he carried the ball 13 times for 22 yards. 1.7 yards per carry. I mean, that's just not going to get it done. Your big playmaker of the day was Allen Robinson. He was 6 for 131 and one touchdown. He had a very sound day. Anthony Miller and Tariq Cohen both hopped on board with PPR points, 6 and 7 receptions respectively. As for the Giants, I mean... If you played Daniel Jones, he was he threw two touchdowns, but he was he was not very good. He was uh enigmatic. It was it was very tough to watch. But one thing that I really can't understand either is the Sha- uh Shaquan Barkley um last couple contests. He is not running the same. So obviously he is clearly either uninterested because he understands the season is over and is protecting his body from injury or he's still playing hurt so his game was very soft as well 17 carries for 59 yards and and I mean the Bears really locked down this receiving core for the for the Giants I mean there wasn't much outside of the Golden Tate touchdown the Kevin Smith touchdown there wasn't much in statistical achievement and this game uh, this game too it was it was very difficult to watch there wasn't a whole heck of a lot to be to be uh, excited about but I mean, the Bears get the win, and I mean, you're not going to apologize for ugly wins, right? Still five and six, you're still in the thick of it, and the Giants just continue to to plan for next year. So let's move on again. So another contest on the board that really I thought was going to turn out a lot different than what it did. That would be the Pittsburgh Steelers taking travel to Cincinnati to face the Bengals. The Bengals, we all know, they are in line for the number one overall pick coming into the offseason, the NFL draft, taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. So coming off their Thursday night shenanigans where Miles Garrett smashed uh, Mason Rudolph's helmet onto his head, his own head, I really was curious about this contest. I thought that the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense was going to come and put on a show lights out because they didn't really play very well last Thursday night. And the previous three contests, they had played extremely well. I was hoping to see them get back to that, that elite status, but they're not necessarily an elite defensive group, but they were playing to an elite level. And I was really looking forward to that coming back to fruition in this contest. That too did not really happen. I mean, the Bengals, they were able to move the ball with, with, decent regularity i mean i mean joe mixon he he ran the ball very well he was 4.4 yards per carry he was making chunk yards all over the place tyler boyd welcome back tyler boyd we haven't seen you in fantasy relevance for quite some time he had a good day five catches 101 yards and one touchdown but i mean outside of that there wasn't a whole heck of a lot ryan finley he got sacked four times so i mean the steelers defense was getting pressure but the bigger story in this con- in this contest was the benching of Mason Rudolph on coach's decision. Mike Tomlin has seen enough. I think I have as well. I was supportive of Mason Rudolph coming into uh, the NFL. I believe he still has some characteristics that you could improve upon with solid coaching. But the way that he is playing is not good whatsoever. So Mike Tomlin decides to bench Mason Rudolph for Devlin Hodges. And the whole thing paid off. I mean, Hodges looked fairly good. I mean, his his accuracy was still off. But, I mean, it's to be expected when you don't have Juju Smith-Schuster on the field. So you were really relying on James Washington, Deontay Johnson, and company to take the pressure off. And, I mean... The monster shot to James Washington was the biggest play in this game. It was a 79-yard touchdown scamper where he caught it over the middle and just took it to the house. This is what saved Pittsburgh's day. 
they stay alive in the playoff hunt in the wild card race because of this play. This team is very difficult. This Pittsburgh Steelers team, it's very difficult to dissect at this point because no James Conner, no Juju Smith-Schuster. You will struggle against high-end opposition. I mean, this was the Bengals, and they, they held you to 16 points. You still won this game 16-10, to 10, but it was an ugly 16-10. to 10. Like I said, it was basically one big play that got you the, got you the win. Defensively, I would have liked to have seen more. I mean, we can't discredit the four sacks like we said, but, I mean, Finley didn't even throw an interception. He did fumble the ball twice, lost one. The pressure was there. Didn't like what I saw overall. I really didn't. Turnovers did save the Steelers as well late in the game. They got the ball back and were able to kick that extra field goal to to close it out. So just like the other contest, I mean, you can't apologize for a victory, but I mean, this is how it went for the Steelers today. They have some problems they got to sort out. They need to get healthy once again, and we'll see. Maybe James Conner will be back. He is dealing with an AC joint sprain. So, I mean, anybody that knows AC joints, it is extremely difficult to even lift your arm to even play the game of football. So I don't expect him back anytime soon. Juju might be back next week. Be a welcome sight to this offense. We'll see if Davlin Hodges continues to play quarterback over Mason Rudolph. That, those will be the storylines coming in Pittsburgh next week. But let's move right along. Yet another contest on the board that really shouldn't have been a contest, and it wasn't. The Cleveland Browns hosting the Miami Dolphins. I had written my start-sit column on this club, the Cleveland Browns, suggesting that basically start every superstar they have. Start Chubb, start Baker, OBJ, Landry, get them all the ball, and it's what happened. I mean, even Kareem Hunt got in the mix. This was exactly what we wanted to see from the Cleveland Browns. Miami, we know they're they're in tank mode again. We've been saying this all season. But when you, you start looking at the Cleveland Browns, so let me break these Cleveland Browns down for you as we see them right now. They are 5-6. and six. They are well, very much uh, alive in the playoff wildcard race. But this is what you wanted to see if you're a Cleveland Browns fan. You want to see a something of a tune-up contest against a weak opponent. And this is what you got today. Baker Mayfield He was so much better in so many aspects. I mean, he did throw one interception today. Didn't like that throw. He would have probably liked to have had that back. But they were very well balanced. This was probably one of the best coached games I've seen from Freddie Kitchens all season. Again, granted the opposition is weaker. But these are the types of things that you want to iron out. Odell Beckham Jr. caught a touchdown. He had a good day. Jarvis Landry in revenge game mode. He had a monster day. He was 10 catches, 148 yards, two touchdowns. And, of course, Nick Chubb, 21 carries for 106 yards. This was this is the game plan. You wanted to get all of your superstars the ball. You wanted them to move it effectively. This is what happened today. Building blocks for the Cleveland Browns. You started slow. You came out of the gates very soft. You know You weren't living up to expectations. These are the types of games that can turn the corner for any club. You do have a long road ahead of you, but your schedule is becoming very, very nice. I like what I see from the Cleveland Browns overall. Baker Mayfield needs to be like this on a weekly basis. He cannot be that indecisive turnover machine. Get your chemistry with Odell back and continue to run the ball. Kareem Hunt ran the ball very well as well. He found the end zone also. So, I mean, this Cleveland Browns team has some talent. We all know this. It's finally about time we start to see it come on the field consistently. So, they plow the Miami Dolphins 41-24. Miami comes back late. Garbage time, scored some touchdowns, put up some statistics. From their perspective, fantasy football-wise, nothing really too crazy. I mean, Devontae Parker is actually finally showing out he caught six balls for 91 yards didn't find the end zone but I mean as for that all said and done the Cleveland Browns get another victory another important victory in the AFC and they win so we'll see what happens next week when they uh when they take on their opponent and see what they can do if they can continue this uh this stride this move forward 
So moving right along, this contest we had ranked as one of our best matchups of the week, and it did not disappoint. The Carolina Panthers traveling to New Orleans. We were so excited. I mean, granted, the Panthers haven't looked overly successful or great over the past couple weeks, but Kyle Allen, I give this kid a lot of credit. He has looked very good for every single game. The progression in his game continues to move forward. And, of course, Christian McCaffrey, your beast, he is always going to beast out. But when this game started, it was an onslaught by the Saints. They were up 14-0 before you even knew it. But credit the Carolina Panthers. They stuck to their game plan to perfection, and they did not give up. I mean, the biggest problem for the Saints today, or the Carolina Panthers today, was their kicking game. Kicker Joey Sly, he missed two extra points and a shot to win the game field goal. Indoors. How do you do this? You have perfect conditions and you miss these kicks. This is the difference in this contest. If you hit that late game field goal, Drew Brees and the Saints are going to have to do their best to try to come back with no time. Didn't like it. Unfortunate for the Carolina Panthers. I mean, it completely ruined the day. Panthers fans should feel disgusted that your contest, who you played extremely well, Kyle Allen was 256 yards and three touchdowns today. No turnovers. This is what your quarterback did for you. He didn't lose you this game. He kept you in this game. Christian McCaffrey, I I have to say it. I mean, as good as Dalvin Cook has been, I, I don't see a better running back all around than Christian McCaffrey. He means so much to this team. Without McCaffrey, the Carolina Panthers would be nothing. Let's not get that twisted. Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL as of today. He can catch the ball anywhere on this field. He's lining up as a wide receiver in the slot. He's running the ball extremely well on this stout defense. I mean, okay, today he was 22 carries for 64 yards for 2.9, but he still found the end zone. Every time Christian McCaffrey touches the ball, he's making something happen. McCaffrey is your MVP for this team, and he should be in the MVP race. He may not win it because we all know quarterbacks usually get the favoritism in that award, but Christian McCaffrey means so much to the Carolina Panthers, and that's what the MVP award is supposed to be. Take that player away from that club and see how that club will perform. Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL as of today. The New Orleans Saints. So when they jumped out to those 14 points, I thought that this was going to be lights out game over before halftime. But again, so the Saints, who I have been preaching extremely high regard for this entire season just because of how they're built, as of today, I am not overly convinced because they have a lot of figuring out to do. I am very concerned with the usage of Alvin Kamara. I still believe he's playing hurt. They're not saying it. I think they're trying to keep him in the lineup more so as a decoy so teams have to are forced to game plan against it. But you can tell his, his explosiveness just isn't there right now. I mean, they found him again in the past game. This is priority checkdowns. But, I mean, he caught nine balls today. But he ran the ball 11 times for 54 yards. I really don't like what I see from Kamara on the ground. Something just isn't right. I don't know what it is. Could he be still hobbled or hurt, playing hurt? Possibly. But, I mean, I credit Coach Payton. He figured out a way to get him involved. Michael Thomas, again, is beasting out. Could he be the best wide receiver in the NFL? I mean, it's hard to argue. He just keeps on putting up numbers that are going to shatter records by the time the season is over. He was 10 receptions, 101, and one touchdown. Drew Brees, 311 yards and three touchdowns, and he had that pick, which kind of got the, the Carolina Panthers back in this contest. But overall, I mean, I really expected this one to be a, a tight showdown. 
So when it started the way it did, I was I was quite shocked. I thought it was going to be over, but I mean, credit the Panthers. They they played very well. They they held their own. Kyle Allen looked very good. I mean, they're still in it. They're still 5 and 6. The Saints are 9 and 2. So I mean, they're going to roll and run away with that division now, but I still like what I see from the Panthers. They still have something. They may not make it as far as anybody would think. I don't think they'll make it that far. But with Christian McCaffrey, anything is possible. Nevertheless, this was a very good game. Probably one of the best competitive games on the Sunday slate. But we'll move right along. So the next contest on the board, the Oakland Raiders travel to New York to face the Jets. Another game that really didn't have too much in the form of playoff implication. I mean, the Raiders have been moving forward. But let's not kid ourselves. I mean... I knew it. You, If you read our uh, point spread article, the Raiders were favored, I believe, by four points in this one. And I couldn't grasp to as to why. Okay, I get it. The Raiders, they're moving in the right direction. But people don't realize how important Carl Joseph was for this defense. Elevating the level of play of the whole unit so that this offense could get more opportunity and you're going to see this continue to be an issue now that he's no longer there. He's on, I believe, injured reserve now. But the other thing I couldn't understand from Vegas, they were trying to bait the public into taking this bet. When do we see mediocre to medium teams traveling west to east perform very well? We don't see it very often. And this was basically how we were gauging this contest. And the Jets have been moving a lot better they've been moving forward coach Adam Gase I believe has at this point saved his job he has coached up Sam Darnold to levels that we fully expect I mean this is the Sam Darnold we want to see and we know he can do his game 20 for 29 315 and two touchdowns this is what you expect of him no interceptions so when you look at the whole fabric of this game, I mean, Le'Veon Bell was used a lot more today. I believe he had 17, 18 touches today. Robbie Anderson saw the ball. And this kid, Braxton Barros, if you caught his play, you might have just found yourself another slot receiver on this team. He caught one ball today, but he ripped it for 69 yards. Fantasy football community, keep your eye on this man. He could be something Moving forward for the fantasy football playoffs. I liked what I saw. He almost reminded me of a young Krebet, Wayne Krebet of back in the days for all you Jets fans. He looked very good. He looked fast, man. He caught that ball, and there was nobody catching him. But, I mean, as for the Oakland Raiders, they couldn't get much going. The Jets have been playing very sound defense the last couple games. I mean, Jamal Adams, to me, he's, he's the best safety in the league. He's an animal. He, he elevates this entire defense just by himself. And when all was said and done, Derek Carr found the bench on Coach's decision and Coach John Gruden was just saving the man. It was clear. This game was over. There was no need for him to be out there. They were just not playing up to par. Couldn't get the run game going. The pass game was struggling immensely. So, I mean, not much for the Raiders there, but we fully expected this one to happen. It was documented on our, on our Thursday article as, as to how we thought it was going to go down, and it did. We're not surprised. This is how it, how it shaped up. So the Jets win. They're 4-7. and seven. Granted, could they still be alive? Sure, but, I mean, I think their season's pretty much done. One more, one more loss should basically count them out, but we'll see. Jets looked far better today. I really liked watching it fantasy football. I, I was highly invested for some reason in the Jets this week. I, I had Crowder, Bell, and a few others from this club, uh, the tight end Griffin. But it was a good showing. It was a good matchup for the Jets and those players. So moving right along, next contest on the board, we have the Detroit Lions taking travel to Washington to face the Redskins. Another contest that really has no NFL playoff implication. This, again, would dictate more toward the fantasy perspective and the betting to the betting public so this contest the lions were favored by three and a half and i grudgingly took it and i mean would i take it again in retrospect i think i would have only because of how 
the Lions played the Cowboys. And I mean, is that saying a lot? Maybe not. But the Lions and Jeff Driscoll, they played sound football against the Dallas Cowboys at home. I understand this game was travel, but the travel isn't that far. And I really, truly believed with Bo Bo Scarborough that they were going to pound the rock and Driscoll was going to capitalize on the play-action pass. Did not really happen. The Washington defense came to play. Driscoll threw three interceptions today, crucial times of the game. Bo still ran very well. Scarborough, he had 98 yards on the ground. He didn't find the end zone. But again, here's the issue that I find. This offense is so dynamic with their receiving core. You got Marvin Jones. You got Kenny Galladay. You got Danny Amendola. How come you cannot spread this ball around? So I I really have to go back and dissect this this uh, game film because I really want to see what defenses the Redskins were playing to make it such a confusing day for Driscoll. Driscoll, I mean, okay, he's not awful, but he's not going to take you to the next level. We all know this. But, I mean, anybody with receivers of this talent and stature, you should at least be able to move the ball a lot better than you did. Did not really happen. So when we move to the other side, the the Redskins, I mean, Dwayne Haskins, I am... Not throwing the book out on the man. He's still young. He still has time to develop. He had some good throws, but again, his accuracy needs a lot of work. He is going to need so much refinement for you to make me a believer that he can be this man. He was not horrible. He didn't lose the game overall for the Redskins today. I mean, he did have two turnovers himself, but it was the Lions. The Lions basically gave this game away. This is what had happened. And the dagger in this contest was a special teams play by Steven Sims Jr. He took a 91-yard kick return to the house. Outside of that, you didn't have a touchdown if you're the Redskins. So if you're the Detroit Lions, this is a massive disappointment. You allowed Washington to constantly get into field goal range, kick field goals, and you made one blunder on special teams. Not not good enough if you're the if you're the Detroit Lions. I mean, there is talk now that Matthew Stafford may be shut down for the rest of the season. That's very unfortunate for for the Detroit Lions fans and all fantasy owners of any players on this club. I am one of them. I am a Kenny Galladay oh, a share owner, and I am crying my eyes out because Kenny Galladay was balling. Now we are going to be falling. It's going to suck. So anyway, moving right along, that contest doesn't have much more left to discuss. So let's go to a game that actually had some relevance, the Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles. This was a game that I was so interested to watch. I really wanted to see how Seattle was going to play on the road in Philadelphia. However, the biggest caveat here was the lack of weapons the Philadelphia Eagles have. I mean, no Alshon Jeffrey, no Nelson Aguilar, Jordan How, excuse me, Jordan Howard was was injured as well. So you have a massively depleted offense who would have to lean upon Zach Ertz, which they did. Dallas Goddard, I expected him to have a bigger day. He didn't really have it. But when you look at how the Seattle Seahawks played this contest, they basically dared Carson Wentz to throw the ball. Wentz was picked off twice. He fumbled the ball three times, lost two of them. I mean, that's the difference in your ball game. This is what it was. I mean, but you can't be too hard on Carson Wentz. I mean, what do you expect him to do with with no weapons on the field? I mean, you're asking him to make miracles, and he's just not that type of player. I mean, Carson Wentz is good. He's strong, but, I mean, he's not that type of player. Let's not Let's not kid ourselves. Russell Wilson, on the other hand, and the Seahawks, I really wanted to see how they were going to play this game because the Eagles' defense has been improving as the weeks have been moving forward. The The front seven of the of the Eagles is still very sound, very solid, but it's the secondary that causes the problems for this defense. I really, really believed that DK Metcalf was going to have a day. I thought he was going to go off. There is no way that they can cover his speed. And he was basically locked down today, too. I mean, Russell Wilson didn't have a great day whatsoever. He found an interception today. He was only 13-25 for 200 yards and one passing touchdown. The difference in this game, kudos to you, Pete Carroll. He realized 
that Russell Wilson was struggling in that first half to find many things downfield. It was it was just not there. The pressure was on him for a lot of the day. I mean, he was sacked six times today. How, when do we see Russell Wilson get sacked that many times in a contest? It just doesn't happen, right? So credit again, like I'm saying, the coach Pete Carroll and the offensive coordinator, they made the adjustments happen, and they pounded that football in that second half. Chris Carson, he wasn't running too great, so enter Rashad Penny. You remember this cat? We've been we've been big supporters of him coming out of the draft. And finally, we saw what he is capable of. Is it sustainable? Will it be consistent? Time will tell. But let me break down Penny's day for you. He was 14 carries, 129 yards, 9.2 yards per carry, and he found the end zone to seal the deal for the Seahawks late. His day, his running was superb. So now when you look at the Seahawks, this is what makes this club extremely intriguing to me. Now you have to, as an opposition, as the defense that is facing this offense, you're going to have to game plan for both running backs and MVP candidate Russell Wilson. And not only that, you have Tyler Lockett, you have Josh Gordon, you have DK Metcalf. This team, if they can find their stride in the next five weeks, could be extremely dangerous going into the postseason, even more so than what they have been. This is a team that you want to see their maturation with the weapons they have. Russell Wilson hasn't had this many weapons, so you almost you almost fear the fact it could turn into a Jimmy Graham situation when they thought bringing Jimmy Graham to Seattle was going to be the the thing that was going to make them elite offensively. And I mean, this is one of those things. You just hope that Pete Carroll and their offensive coordinators can make it happen where they can actively spread the ball around and they can just be extremely balanced and dynamic. You have the deep threat with DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett can go deep. He can go over the middle. All signs point to glory. And now you add Penny to the mix. I really like the Seahawks moving forward. I think they're going to be a very, very strong team entering the postseason. I just really want to see it all come together where they're running like a well-oiled machine, but really like the club. I think they have so many wonderful things on this team, and it's, it's going to be fun to watch. Russell Wilson, again, look, he sputters and the team still wins. So defensive play on a, on a depleted Eagles squad was very strong, so kudos to them as well. So next contest on our board, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. Another huge divisional game. Both clubs really desperately need the win. Jacksonville especially since they came off last week with a loss. The Titans were coming off the bye. And what else can we say other than Ryan Tannehill for president? I mean, right... We have been saying this all along. I'm going to continue because this was a big one. I was taking a lot of flack for this in the offseason when I was recommending the fact that Marcus Mariota should have been benched for Ryan Tannehill a long time ago. I said in in training camp, Tannehill would produce better than Marcus Mariota, and this is what you get. Fantasy football-wise, you haven't seen Tannehill throw under 20 points since he's taken over. So... I really, really enjoyed this contest. It was, I mean, okay, let me set the stage because it wasn't just a straight-up blowout fest. It was turnovers that disabled the Jacksonville Jaguars. A special teams turnover basically ripped the momentum where I believe they scored two or 14 points in like 30 seconds or 16 points in like five minutes or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was. But it was an onslaught in a very short period of time. It's what changed the entire dynamic of this game. But when you go back and you look at this Jacksonville offense, Nick Foles under center, he has actually decreased the level of operation that this team has been running with Gardner Minshew behind center. It's clear. They're slower. They're not as exciting. It's a lot more vanilla. Foles is not finding his receivers all over the field like Minshew was. Minshew was a gunslinger, man. He was finding guys any which way. He wasn't afraid to throw the ball. You almost see this tentative nature of throwing from Nick Foles. And it literally is bringing down this entire offense. I wasn't a fan of Foles going there in the first place. I mean, was it an upgrade to to Blake Bortles? Sure. 
But I mean, now that you got you got Minshew, I mean, take your losses. I mean, you gave Foles a massive contract, and and Minshew's a rookie; he's making nothing. So I mean, your money's not necessarily wasted; it's just transferable in your eyes, right? So, I mean, I don't like Nick Foles on this on this offense right now whatsoever. He looks very sluggish. Finally, at least Leonard Fournette got in the mix. He had a very strong day: twenty-four carries, ninety-seven yards, four yards a carry, and found the end zone twice. And he was used an enormous amount of time in the checkdown. Nine receptions, 62 yards through the air. He was solid today for fantasy owners. But when it comes back to the Tennessee Titans, Derrick Henry just loves to play this club. Again, he balls out. Do you remember the time where he had that stiff arm and took it to the house from, I believe, like 92 yards? He had another monster gallop today. He was just a baller. 74-yard run he had. His full day, 19 carries, 159 yards, 8.4 yards per carry. I mean, those are college numbers, man. The Jacksonville defense, this is not your dad's Jacksonville Jaguars no more. It's over. The defense is done. They can't stop the run. They struggle without Ramsey to stop the pass. A.J. Bouye is struggling. Struggling. He was getting burnt by A.J. Brown. And speaking of A.J. Brown, he is another one that we have been so high on when he was drafted. Didn't like the fact that he was going to Tennessee, but now perhaps with Ryan Tannehill behind center, now things can start to come to fruition in his career, his game. He had a massive 65-yard touchdown, but his game was four, ca- uh, four catches, 135 yards in that one touchdown. A.J. Brown is your guy. They need to incorporate him as the number one wide receiver. Corey Davis is not it. He needs to be taking over. A.J. Brown, I'm speaking of, needs to be taken over as the number one in this offense, and you continue to pound the ball with Derrick Henry. Defensively, they played soft as the score was just becoming a blowout, so the score looks a lot better than what it was. Jacksonville did get late touchdowns, garbage points from Leonard Fournette to make it look respectable, but outside of that, this game was a wash. Third quarter, 28 points by the Tennessee Titans is what ruined the day. It was over, like we said. The turnover started, the the, the floodgates to open, the momentum was gone. That was your day. Tennessee, now 6-5, and five, super alive in the playoff hunt. Jacksonville, 4-7. and seven. And you got to think that Coach Doug Marone, his seat is getting warm. You got to believe it. His seat has got to be heating up. You had all that talent for how many years now, and you did nothing with it. So it's time to move on. The Jaguars are going to have to find something, but I think this season is done. I think it's over. If I'm them, I almost go back to Gardner Minshew for one last game. And then, I mean, you're going to have to evaluate Nick Foles to see if he is going to be your long-term answer at the position, but I don't like it really in, in Jacksonville whatsoever. So next contest, though only the second one in the late afternoon games We had the Dallas Cowboys taking travel to New England to face the Patriots and this mighty defense. Patriots were favored, I believe it was, by seven, six and a half or seven points as it closed. I really didn't like that spread. The Patriots' offense has been abysmal, abysmal. And coming into this game, you had no Mohamed Sanu. You were going to struggle through the air. The weather forecast came out, and it was going to be a disaster in in terms of weather. The wind was strong. The rain was pouring. It was going to be ugly. So I was really curious to see how the Dallas Cowboys were going to fare simply because you knew that that Tom Brady was going to have his struggles, and he did. He didn't play extremely well. He was throwing uh, uh, off balls all over the field. But again, you know what they do. They go short. They try to establish some sort of the run, and they're passing short, which is what they did all game long. Julian Edelman, he was your guy once again over the middle. And you found uh, rookie Nikhil Harry once in the end zone. And then Jacoby Myers, he was your your Sanu replacement, so so to speak. So, I mean, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot offensively from the Patriots. So what did the Cowboys do? in this contest and I can literally tell you not a whole heck of a lot we knew we knew what was going to happen when it came to Amari Cooper Amari Cooper has been playing hurt with ankle and knee injuries I mean he was still out there he was still making making cuts and he was still there but being locked down with Stefan Gilmore at not 100 100 percent you knew his game was going to be awful 
it was going to be game over before he even lined up. So you needed Michael Gallup, you needed Randall Cobb, but you really desperately needed Zeke Elliott in the run game to blow up. This is the weakness of the Patriots' defense, if there is one. It is lack of great ability to stop the run. They can get gashed. Because if you really thought that you were passing in this turn, uh, type of weather, it was it was not going to happen. You had so many drops in this game. The rain was the factor. You needed to run the ball, and the Dallas Cowboys just did not perform. They tried. I mean, give it to them. They, they gave Zeke 21 touches today. He averaged 4.1, but then you went away from it. This is what I didn't understand. This is These are a lot of the things I don't understand with the play calling of the Dallas Cowboys. You have one of the better running backs in the NFL. Use him. Dak Prescott is your secondary option. Yes, has Dak played very well over the last few weeks? Sure he has. But he is your secondary option. Use Zeke, set up the play-action pass, and then allow Dak to understand the flow of the game, and he will burn people. That is your formula. You are not doing this. And if you want to come into Foxborough to play the Patriots who haven't lost a home game in God knows how long, and you think that you're going to win because of, of Dak Prescott and his passing ability, you're dead wrong. This is, again, what happened today. Patriots offensively are anemic. They will get beat. The only way... That the Patriots are winning anything this season is through that defense. This defense is for real. We know this. Finally, they're playing higher level competition like the Cowboys and they shut them down. So what does that say to you? Says a lot to me. Anyway, really didn't like what I saw from the Dallas Cowboys. Their defense isn't as strong as I had thought. I will own that one. Coming into the offseason, I really believe that the Cowboys defense was going to turn a massive corner and be this superb elitist defense and they're they're really not they're they're quite far off i mean i understand they were they were missing uh their their star up and coming linebacker Leighton vander esch but i mean you still got jalen smith you still got most of your pieces on the field i don't know disappointing if you're a dallas cowboys fan i mean you're you're definitely were out coached let's not kid ourselves that was a massive factor in this game you were you were massively outcoached, and again, like this is if you go back to the the I, ha- I hate to bring up the Bills again, but I mean when you go back to the way the Bills lost to the Patriots, it was by a blocked punt, and same with this contest. That blocked punt opened the door to get the points needed to win this game. I mean that was the Harry touchdown. In Buffalo, it was basically the same thing. The Bills defense held Tom Brady and company to virtually nothing. And it was it was lost on a blocked punt. The Patriots will find always ways to win games, no matter which way they do it. They're gonna just they're gonna it's gonna make it happen. Anyway, moving right along. Next contest on the board, we have the Sunday Nighter, the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers. This was a matchup that I was just waiting to see. I was so excited for this game. And once again, it just did not deliver. If you're in, if you're a fan of just watching good football games, if you're a San Francisco 49ers fan, you're going home happy right now because the 49ers trounced the Green Bay Packers at home, 37 to eight. This game showed a lot to me. So Green Bay really didn't have anything offensively to speak of. But it was because of the 49ers and this defense. So when you see a defense built with a defensive line as strong as the Niners have, and they didn't have D4 today, so that's even scarier against an Aaron Rodgers Packers team. They were all over this Packers offense. Aaron Rodgers hit the ground five times today. Joey Bosa was a machine. He was in his grill all day. And when Balaga went down, the, the Packers' right tackle, I mean, it was lights out. I I saw it coming. As soon as Balaga left the game, he was ruled out. Armstead, Buckner, and Bosa were just feasting on this offensive line. Yards were very difficult to come by for Green Bay. But you start speaking of the 49ers. So here is a club 
who has built this extremely sound defense, and they continue to prove the doubters wrong offensively. So I was a huge supporter of the trade for Emmanuel Sanders because I thought that was going to bring this offense to the next level. But again, he didn't really see much action today. He's been playing hurt with those injured ribs. But George Kittle comes back to this offense, and he blows up with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't asked to do a whole heck of a lot today. He was 14 of 20. That's it. It, It's not like the run game was even that much more efficient because their carries were low. The Niners just capitalized and made big plays, and that's what ended this game. I mean, that's the storyline if you didn't catch it. Jimmy Garoppolo, he threw two touchdowns. He threw a massive one, 61-yard bomb to George Kittle, and the other one was a massive 42-yard play to Debo Samuel. Samuel turned on the afterburners after he caught the -the over-the-middle pass, and he was gone. So, I mean, if you're a Niners fan and you're looking at this club, there's a lot to like because if they can remain healthy, if Emmanuel Sanders gets back to full health, George Kittle gets back to full health, I mean, this defense is going to lock teams down. They are only rushing four or five. It's typically four, and they're keeping seven in coverage whenever they have to. It's absolutely incredible. So when you have such a stout defense and this offense led by Jimmy Garoppolo, you're, you're going to win games. And they got a very tough schedule coming up. I believe I saw they have the Saints, the Ravens, not in that order, but they have the Saints, the Ravens, and another club that is high up in the rankings and standings as their next three. So we will learn a lot about this 49ers team moving forward. But as it stands right now, I'm on board. I'm jumping on the wagon for this club. This team is superb. Coach Kyle Shanahan is coaching them to a T. This is a beautiful thing to watch. I'm digging what the 49ers are putting down. So let's move right along. That is it for Sunday. So we have the Monday nighter, the Baltimore Ravens traveling to L.A. to face the L.A. Rams. The Lamar Jackson show goes to Hollywood. This should be a dandy of a contest. And I really believe there's so many things at stake here for the L.A. Rams. I mean, they are on the verge of missing the the playoffs i mean they're six and four and if you're talking about a wild card run they are gonna have to string together some wins because i mean when you look at the wild card race i mean the seahawks have a nine and two record and the vikings are eight and three you drop this game you are falling behind and it's gonna be to a point that you will not be able to recover so how do the rams compete with Lamar Jackson I really struggle to give you an answer for that because I have not been happy with how the Rams have been playing of late Todd Gurley has not looked himself all season Jared Goff and this offensive line look horrid I mean Jared Goff is not the same guy he was last year play calls look to have been figured out on coach McVay the defense is the only thing necessarily keeping you in these games But, I mean, they get Brandon Cooks back. That's a big help. Robert Woods should be able to come back as well. But when you talk about the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson, he has been able to do anything on this field for a majority of the season. However, I am going to be watching with a very keen eye. I do believe he is going to run a lot in this game. He's going to have to break the pocket because of the pressure that's going to come from Aaron Donald. So I can see him breaking out a lot. They're going to have to spy him. Mark Ingram will have a very, very big role. But I'm very curious to see how the Ravens game plan against this defense. This defense is still very strong. And if if anybody had questions, because I still, I I don't want to say I have questions to say if Lamar Jackson is a a capable passer in this league, because I believe he is uh, from what I've seen this season. But I want to see it against the top end teams and I mean if you're throwing against Jalen Ramsey and, and company here in LA I think I think this will put uh prove a lot in my mind to to what Lamar can actually do but this team is very strong Marcus Peters is coming back to play against his club uh, his former club in LA so I I fully expect him to ball out tomorrow and the Ravens defense has just been on fire they've been bringing the blitz like of the uh, of the old Ravens of past on defense so I really like this game. This game is going to is gonna tell me a lot. I really want to see a good showing, and I think Lamar Jackson is going to do it. So 
The Ravens, I believe, are favored at three and a half points. I took the odds. I'm rolling with the Ravens. I think that Lamar Jackson right now and this club are, are just running on full high octane and, and nothing can stop him. So unless turnovers become the problem for him in this game or if uh, the running backs seem to have a sidestep, that could be the only saving grace. But uh, I think Baltimore walks in and he, they take the uh, those four points and, and, and they take the win home with them. So should be another good one on Monday Night Football. We've been, we've been seeing quite a, a few of them the past couple of weeks and I'm, I'm really excited for this contest. So... Moving uh, to the holiday week coming up, we have Turkey Day, Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday, so there will be a program change to keep note of. Uh, I will not be here doing a review show for the Sunday games. I will drop a podcast on uh, Friday after after the Thanksgiving contests, and then we'll review uh, the upcoming games on the slate for Sunday. So we will miss the recap show for next Sunday, week 13, but we'll, we'll get you prepared uh, for all the games, fantasy football-wise as well, uh, coming up on Friday, this Friday, Black Friday. So on that note, thanks for tuning in. I uh, appreciate you as always. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. We are on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. And once again, thank you so much for tuning in. We always appreciate you. And until next week, Stay humble, stay peaceful, take care of each other. I'm out.